Despite rising vaccination numbers, Canada is contending with a fourth wave of the COVID-19 pandemic fueled by the Delta variant. Cases and hospitalizations are rising across the country as provincial governments look to bring in new measures such as vaccine passports and bring back old measures like masking. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post Health reporter Sharon Kirkey joins me to discuss why Delta is proving so tricky, where we need to get in terms of vaccination rates, and what the fall could bring. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Sharon, we are... 18 months plus into this, we've been dealing with covering, talking about this pandemic for more than a year and a half. And even a few months ago, we were being told that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Why isn't COVID-19 going away? Yeah, I know, Dave. It, it, it kind of feels like Groundhog Day, right? Doesn't it? We seem to be trapped in this really weary cycle. You know, things are good now, now not so good. So, so where are we, right? So the fourth wave, is underway. It started. Cases are starting to rise in the western provinces. We saw some modeling out of Ontario yesterday that predicted a pretty grim kind of worst case scenario. And, you know, other provinces and the federal models are all predicting this substantial fourth wave. As kids go back to school, as people go back to the office, you know, as we start moving back indoors again. I guess, you know, what's different this time because of vaccines is that you know, we won't see the same proportion of severely ill cases in the vaccinated. Mm-hmm. The same isn't true for the unvaccinated, right? Among the unvaccinated, all the models are predicting we will see rapid increase in serious infections. I think part of why cases are increasing is that we kind of forgot the lessons we learned or we should have learned, you know, that COVID can be spread when people aren't showing any symptoms. I think we sort of let our guard down over the summer, right? Like you say, the vaccines came. We thought, wow, vaccines are here. The worst is behind us. Alberta, for example, dropped virtually all public health measures on Canada Day. And now, you know, doctors in Alberta are seeing ICU admissions doubling every nine days. And the other part of this is Delta, right? And Delta really upset the apple cart big time because we, again, underestimated just how transmissible Delta is, which is, you know, kind of surprising given how we watched how it tore through India. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our uptake is pretty strong nationally. Last time I checked, we're at about, I think it was 66% of eligible population fully vaccinated, but that's not high enough to tame COVID. So the experts are telling me that we've got to figure out how to ensure that when fall rolls in, and if cases start to really take off, that we have to get that controlled, you know, as quickly as possible, because As a doctor said on CBC this morning, you know, exponential growth bites you every single time. So, yeah, you know, a year and a half into this mess, there's still lots of uncertainty. But, you know, the good thing is we do have vaccines. They're holding their own against Delta. And, you know, we should be aiming to get as many people vaccinated as possible. Is it just the fact that this Delta variant is so transmissible that's making it particularly insidious? And that's why we're seeing a fourth wave, despite pretty good, I know we're not seeing great vaccination numbers, but we're seeing pretty good vaccination numbers in Canada. Yeah, it's not just that it's transmissible. You know, we thought that was the case at the beginning. There wasn't a lot of data suggesting it was more virulent or caused more serious illness. That's changed in the last, even in the last couple of weeks. 
there's more evidence. Well, first of all, let's talk about just how transmissible it is, right? So mm-hmm. the original virus out of Wuhan had a basic reproduction number of two to three. So that means every person infected with the original variant would go on to infect two or three more people. With Delta, the reproduction number is like six to eight. So that's just how much more transmissible it is or contagious it is. But there's also now evidence emerging out of Israel and other places that Delta can also cause more severe illness than the earlier variants or earlier strains in unvaccinated people. So so we saw two studies, one from Canada, one from Scotland, both found that people infected with Delta were more likely to end up in hospital than people infected with the original virus or Alpha, the UK strain. You know, and fully vaccinated people can be infected with Delta too. Those so-called, you know, that we're hearing about the breakthrough infections. Yeah, they can get infected with Delta. They can also spread the virus to others. But the vaccinated people seem to be infectious for a shorter period of time, right? They seem to get rid of the virus faster compared to the unvaccinated. And they also tend to have much milder illness when they are infected with Delta if you've been vaccinated. So again, the unvaccinated are the biggest concerns. They're, you know, they're more likely to get infected, they're more likely to spread, and they're more likely to have severe illness. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that some people are claiming, well, if you know vaccinations were doing their job, we wouldn't be seeing this fourth wave. The fourth wave that we're seeing would be far worse had vaccines not rolled out as they did, correct? Oh, for sure. I mean, vaccines absolutely helped stem this tide or dampen the the tide. You know, the majority of those in hospital today are unvaccinated Mm -hmm. and the vaccines aren't perfect. They never promised 100% effectiveness. And they're holding up in the real world, like I mentioned, you know, not just in the clinical trials where people tend to be healthier to start with, but they've helped subdue resurges in places where at least half of the population is fully immunized. I mean, Iceland, for example, 71% of the population totally vaccinated. They saw a surge in code infections because of Delta, many of them among the vaccinated, but hospitalization stayed low, right? So that's that decoupling that you hear about. Yeah, we saw a rise in cases, but we didn't necessarily see the same rise in hospitalizations because we had such a high vaccination rate. So Iceland's COVID outbreak would have been catastrophic without vaccines. You know, doctors there have said. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown that vaccination is associated with uh, like a 40 to 50% reduction in COVID cases among an infected person's household contacts. So one person gets infected in the household, they have a 50% reduced risk of infecting other people in their household. So vaccines have played a role in quick suppression of big surges in cases. And we saw that in the UK as well. Jason Kinderchuk, a virologist at the University of Manitoba, told me the other day, look, vaccination is one of the key things that has coincided with our ability to get control of bad situations very quickly. You know, one of the things that I I heard a lot through the spring is that the only way we're going to get out of this is to vaccinate our way out of this. Is that still a feasible plan? And if so, like what percentage of uptake do we really need to get to to nip this in the bud? I think that's still not really known, right? The, the Ontario model said, this is from the science table, they said more than 85% of the eligible population needs to be vaccinated to avoid a lockdown in the fall. Mm-hmm. Others have said we need upwards of 90% fully vaxxed. And, you know, we need to worry about waning immunity, right? We're hearing concerns about the vaccines are perhaps losing their effectiveness against infection or mild symptoms. So they're like still really good at 
preventing really bad outcomes like hospitalizations or death. Again, the problem is we don't have one specific test that says, okay, you've been vaccinated, you have X amount of antibody, that gives you X amount of months or years of protection. We don't have that yet, but people are working on it. So we have the waning immunity issue. The experts don't think there's really this static number, you know, this one magical number that we can focus on or that we should be focusing on to get absolute control over COVID. What we really just need to be doing is aiming for getting as many people vaccinated, you know, getting that number as high as possible, as quickly as possible. And with the push to get more people vaccinated, you're seeing more and more people express hesitancy or reluctance to get the vaccine. One of the things I keep seeing on social media feeds is, oh, why should I get vaccinated? If vaccinated people keep getting sick or if the vaccines don't work, what can officials do to counter this? Because there is obviously evidence that shows vaccinations work. (laughs) You know, we did see a dip in cases as elderly people in Canada started to get vaccinated kind of early uh, in 2021. How do we get past this hesitancy or reluctance or skepticism? Yeah, I get that too. I get a lot of emails from people saying just that, you know, if vaccinated people are getting sick, what's the point? What was the point of all of this? Well, yes, vaccinated people can experience those breakthrough infections, but they aren't for the most part, getting sick, you know, you know, deaths in fully vaccinated people are exceedingly rare. And most of those breakthrough infections are mild. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, there is this really big study on breakthrough infections that was published in The Lancet. It was this large study out of the UK. And it found, it was like involved like a million people, it found that fully vaccinated people who contracted COVID we're almost twice as likely to have no symptoms at all compared to the unvaccinated who got infected. And their odds of ending up, their chances of ending up in hospital or ICU were cut by more than like two-thirds. And, and they were also half as likely to experience symptoms of long COVID, you know, things like breathing problems or brain fog or that crushing fatigue that can come with long COVID. And again, even the breakthrough infections, when you look at them, they're very rare. This study from the Lancet, it found that less than, like, I think it was 0.2% of the people fully vaccinated with either Pfizer or Moderna or AstraZeneca reported a breakthrough infection. And other data out of Israel, when they looked at where these severe breakthrough infections occurring, most are happening in older people with heart disease and other underlying health problems like lung disease, or people with compromised immune systems who tend not to mount a strong antibody response to the vaccines. And the other thing I keep hearing about is there's a study, and I don't know if it's been peer-reviewed yet, but the study that showed that vaccines are less effective at preventing breakthrough infection than having immunity through being infected. Is that the case? And is that even a good way to look at this, you know, in terms of I should just get COVID so I won't catch COVID again. Like, it seems like an odd way to approach a pandemic. Yeah, and absolutely. And the groups opposed to vaccines really leapt on that study. So yeah, last week we saw the release of that study. Again, another study out of Israel. This was the largest observational study so far to look at natural immunity versus vaccine-induced immunity. And it found that Israelis who were infected with COVID earlier in the pandemic were more protected against Delta than those vaccinated. So that suggests that immunity lasts longer after a natural infection than immunity after two doses of Pfizer, which was the vaccine most Israelis received. 
But, you know, the researchers themselves were quick to say, you know, this doesn't mean people should go out and throw COVID parties like chickenpox <laughs> parties, right? Yeah. And a couple of researchers told Science Magazine the study should have come with a tag, don't try this at home. Because while most COVID infections are mild, but there's no foolproof way of predicting who's going to have mild symptoms and who's going to have serious disease, you know. And this isn't a disease that we can easily say, well, you know, everybody below 59 is going to be just fine. You know, the third wave taught us that, right? We had this idea that COVID only affects high-risk groups like the elderly and those with underlying health conditions, but that was wrong because we did see younger adults in hospital and intensive care. And that argument about, you know, I'm just going to go and get infected rather than get vaccinated. The problem is we just don't have a full understanding yet of what defines someone that will require hospital or ICU care versus someone who won't. Looking at the vaccines as just being one piece of combating COVID, is there a sense that while, yes, we need to see an increase in vaccination numbers to really kind of stem the tide of the Delta variant. Are there other measures that experts are saying that should be looked at as we get into the fall and people are spending more time indoors because it's cold in Canada? Yeah, I mean, vaccines are a big part of it, right? But we need to have still other measures, right? There's still debate around masking. But, you know, again, Jason Kinderchuk from the University of Manitoba, a virologist, he believes that for sure masking plays a role and that played a role in the numbers coming down in, for example, India, in the UK, Delta tore through India. But as people started to mask again and distance again and follow other public health measures, they did see the cases go down. The same thing happened when they saw this surge in the UK. Again, people started to adopt masking more. And again, you know, the rates fell. So I think what experts are telling me is that, you know, we've got to, like I said, figure out what to do and and to be on top of the numbers and and to watch the trends. You know, we keep saying we have to focus less on the case counts, the case numbers, and more on hospital admissions and ICU admissions as a real way to measure the severity of this coming wave, right? Because we will see infections even in the vaccinated, but like I mentioned, many of those infections are mild. Mm -hmm. So we need to track the numbers. We need, you know, things like ventilation in schools. Many believe we still need masking indoors, especially in schools, need to get vaccination rates up high. It's just a combination of measures as we move forward to try to make sure we can stay on top of this in the fall. We were all happy to see that the Canadians got a two-dose summer. (laughs) Are we looking at a three-dose fall? Are Are we expecting to see booster shots? And on top of that, do we get a sense as to when kids under 12 in Canada may be eligible for vaccines? Yeah, we're all waiting for the data from the trials of kids, right, under 12. We have to be really, really careful, right? We we absolutely have to have evidence that these shots are absolutely safe in children under 12 because they are at lowest risk of severe illness. So the risk-benefit equation there, we have to be very cautious. We could see those data by October. It still means months before children under 12 likely will be eligible for vaccination. The three-dose fall, you know, Ontario's already started offering those three doses, those boosters to seniors in long-term care and those who have compromised immune systems. But nationally, we're still waiting for the National Advisory Committee on Immunization to weigh in on boosters. Israel's already started boosting everyone over 50. The U.S. is offering boosters to everybody over the age of 12 beginning later this month. The boosters will be given to those whose last shot was at least eight months ago, but most of us in Canada, you know, aren't 
that far out yet from our second dose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's likely we could see boosters before spring. But then, you know, there's this great, important debate over giving boosters or third doses in high-income countries when most low- and middle-income countries remain unvaccinated. They haven't even had a single shot. The ultimate goal here, Dave, is to get to that endemic stage, right? COVID-19 is not going away. He began at the beginning saying, how come it's still around? <laughs> it, won't, it won't go away. We have yeah. to accept that. What we want to get to is a stage where, as Ed Young wrote in The Atlantic recently, we enter into this kind of tenuous piece with it. So it you know, goes from pandemic to endemic, this contagious respiratory virus that spreads at this manageable level every year, but it doesn't upend our lives, you know, and until then we need to keep vaccinating and we need to keep following public health recommendations as they appear. And, you know, and if we can get through this fall and winter, hopefully we can start to get some good control of COVID by the spring, at which point Dave, I really, really hope we are not having this same discussion all (laughs) over again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, but I agree it would be good to, you know, not talk about COVID when we talk about (laughs) health in Canada. Sharon, thanks for your time. All right. My pleasure, Dave. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Sharon Kirkey. More from her at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm